Welcome back to the Resiliency Ninja podcast. I'm your host, Allison Graham, and today's episode of Facha Fridays is actually a recording from the Embrace Your Inner Resiliency Ninja webinar that I did for the Association of Change Management Professionals. I've had some requests for replays and it has launched some amazing conversations with companies that I'd never met before or had access to who have asked me to come in and speak for their conferences. So very exciting and I thought, let's not just share it with them, let's share it with the entire Resiliency Ninja community. If you are listening on iTunes, please give a quick star rating preferably five, and uh, write a review. No matter where you're listening, please share it with others who need to hear this message because I want to share it far and wide across the globe. And the only way it grows is if you, the listeners who believe in this message, are out there sharing it. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. This has been an amazing opportunity to share. I hope you love it and get a lot of value out of it. And uh, just FYI, you may recall after the first 10 weeks of podcast, the Resiliency Ninja podcast, I took a two-week break, and I'm going to be doing that again. So as we come up in the next few episodes on episode 40, I will be taking two weeks off to give you a chance to catch up on any episodes you missed and to also regroup what does the next 10 weeks look like. And with that in mind, I am hoping to find new guests. I have been so blessed on the people who I've been able to interview so far. I think they've shared amazing stories, amazing wisdom, and I want to just keep that going. So let me know if you have any ideas for new guests. And also, uh, if you have any topics that you'd like me to cover on Facha Fridays, please visit me at r-ninja.com. And until next time, do not let those obstacles get in the way of your success. This is called How Do You Embrace Your Inner Resiliency Ninja? And you may be like, well, what is a resiliency ninja? Essentially, it's someone who approaches the challenges in a way that does not stall progress or profits. And for those of you who are in a change management role, you know that if people get obsessed with the obstacles and they don't approach it in the right way, then that's exactly what happens. We stall profits uh, for the company and individuals, department and organizational levels will get stalled as well. And that's what we wanna try to avoid. Now, in terms of the concept of Resiliency Ninja, you may wonder how that came to be. Well, I went through this decade of hell that I'll share with you in a few minutes. And I always felt, and maybe you can relate to this, that I was, there was on alley. So I was out in public showing up for my clients, you know, having a smile on my face, rocking the stage. And then there was off alley, which was getting into the car that had my mom driving me and passing out for the next two or three days because I was in so much chronic pain and so exhausted and all of the pieces that went with that. And it, it kind of made me feel like if you were to watch one of those old cheesy movies from like, you know, 1962 with like a, an, you know, big, bad, bad guy, like an, a ninja guy or girl, and they'd be walking down the street and everything would be calm, cool and collected. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, there are these assailants who would come out from the, the alleyway and 
the ninja would be like, you know, I got them and like pull all these tools, you know, maybe like a star or a, a, a sword and all these things would just magically appear all these tools that they had. And then they'd like, the ninja would deal with the issues and the assailants and then would come back out on the street and be like, I got this. All is good. So that was sort of the original image that I had for Resiliency Ninja. And I feel like every one of us is showing up like that. So whether you feel like you're playing a great big game of whack-a-mole every day and you are, you know, swatting down one problem in time for another to erupt and then you've got all your work responsibilities and a never-ending to-do list and you've got this huge, you know, uh, conflicting priorities and you want to have a family life and you want to do self-care and all of that. And if we don't know how to approach that, those pieces of life, then of course we can get really stressed out. And the risk there is we lead towards burnout. So when we create a resiliency ninja culture for our own life or at work, what ends up happening is you're able to metabolize unhealthy stress faster. I'm always really focused on, on sharing with people that it's not about taking away the stimulus, the challenge that comes at you. We need to accept that those are always going to be there. The resilience, the resiliency ninja movement is about assessing the situation that you have, removing that emotion and acting, uh, adapting in the situation and then acting in the right way to to move forward and not allow it to cloud the results so metabolizing your healthy uh the unhealthy stress faster because there is healthy stress the next result of being a resiliency ninja is that not only will you enjoy your personal life and your playtime more because you'll make time for it and my hope for you is we'll alleviate the guilt that you feel when you're doing things for yourself, when you know you have a great big to-do list sitting there eating away at you and you're sitting on a Friday night watching a movie and you don't want to work. That's okay. We want to embrace that time. And the other piece is loving going to work. When we don't get bogged down in all of those challenges and all of the things that uh, keep us grounded in problems, and then we can look at it and go, okay, even if I have these challenges, I'm still loving it. And that is the key piece. You're operating from a place of optimistic confidence. You know that you have the right perspective, you have the right tools, and whatever happens, you know, you absolutely can get through it and you can, uh, you know, persevere and be stronger because of it. So I think what I want to do now is just share with you. I, I know that we've got, uh, you know, we, I'm going to put back on my, oops, let me go back. I'm going to put back on my screen because I, I want to share a little, I feel like I want to see you. So my story of resilience, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I, and I want to also give it a caveat that I only tell my story so that you can see your story in it and be inspired to become more resilient. 
and and really look at how do you be resilient because there's no one answer for everyone which is why i talk about concepts and formulas with my clients so you can fill in the blank with what will work specifically for you and my decade of hell really started i would say when i lost my dad now he was my best friend and sounding board for the first 30 years of my life and I know that it's very natural. It's a you know course of life to lose your your dad, I uh, you know to lose a parent. The challenge is, I'd had so many other things happen along the way, uh, and I won't get into all of that. But I didn't have the coping capacity. I didn't have the tools to know how to process that, and I was so afraid of negative emotion that I refused to feel the true grief. And when we don't process the big things that happen, and this is one of the concepts I'm going to talk with you a little bit later, and we we magnify and we can get lost in all the stuff that doesn't matter. And that kills our resiliency capacity. So that was the beginning. I went on, I had a surgery that I actually had had before. It was a simple cyst and it went wrong. And so it caused some permanent neuropathic damage and had five more surgeries after that to try to fix the first, another one with complications. And then uh, over the course of a while, I had eight major injuries. So if you were around me, you had to watch out because there was a time when I, I, I was accident prone and, you know, I broken things and whatnot. It doesn't matter. And then six people who I uh, loved, who were really important in my life, died very close together. Now, if you've ever gone through a time, and I can smile now because I, I'm, I've processed it and I, I've come out the other side. When I was in it, my doctor, uh, one in particular, I always remember and, and tell the story of that that morning, he told me that I needed to go on disability, that I had to reevaluate the expectations for my life. And I think that there comes a point where an external source sometimes when we get too much on our plate will tell you to quit. And I said, screw defeat, except I wasn't confident at the time. I was a blithering like, <laughs> I'm not going to give up, right? <laughs> I was just, it was not a good time in my life. But I did leave there and that was a magical moment for me because I decided that I was going to put my business consulting hat on and figure out resilience. And I had no idea I would one day be teaching resilience. I just needed to figure it out for me. And so I looked at all of the pieces of the puzzle so that I, I could formulate ultimately these these experiences. So, th so that's where I came from. And I, uh, there are lots of cute stories that will illustrate the need to be resilient because I, I messed up a lot, uh, but we don't have time for that. So I'm going to go back to the show and turn that off. Okay. So that's a little bit about my road to resiliency ninja. And you may be thinking, well, you know, when do I need to be resilient? And the thing is, is that I think we underestimate the number of challenges that we chronically face. 
every day we are uh, in varying degrees dealing with the crap going on in our lives. And when we look at this image that's on your screen right now, you know, you're change management professionals and you know that there are other people who you're working with who are really struggling with dealing with unwanted change in an organization. Most change is not wanted. We already know that. Uh, people want to be connected to their own, the, the, like to what they know, their elephant brain. Harvard Business Review had an article out, which I thought was fascinating. It said that on the stress level, difficult coworkers is actually a bigger influence than global disasters. And I, I interpret that because it's chronic. Like if you go to work and you have, there's a big issue that happens and, you know, a week later, everything is, you know, uh, back to normal, then that's fine. But if you go into work and there's somebody who's a bully or has hormonal issues, uh, right before we started, I put out a, um, a post on uh, Instagram called PMS and business. You're not crazy because we don't talk about it, but I, I almost think that that needs to be a conversation in corporate America because uh, hormones influence our difficult coworkers sometimes, but all of this adds up. And here's what I wanna do with you right now. I am gonna ask you, I'm gonna pause just for 30 seconds of silence, and I want you on your desk to grab a piece of paper that's plain. And I want you to write down some of the key challenges that you are currently facing. Just write them down along the left-hand side of a piece of paper down on a, in a list format. And the reason I want you to do this, so as you're doing that, I'll, I'll share with you, is because we're gonna go through a concept in a few minutes that's going to hopefully change how you perceive the problems that you're facing. And so I want this to be about you. Now you could make it about your organization if that's your choice, no problem. Uh, but right now, this is the key, put it down about you. So I'll give you a second to do that. So what happens if you're not? Number one, burnout. That is obviously uh, not a good thing and it's uh, doing. The other thing is walking on eggshells. So constantly feeling like when's the other shoe going to drop and you know how culture can be when this happens. So it's like all of you have worked through change and you, I don't even have to explain that, but the big key is ultimately if you're not resilient, you will be unhappy. So what happens is Resilience, so there, there's a lot of research around resilience. And actually my uh, recent podcast was with a lady by the name of uh, Jillian Manditch. And she just did her PhD on happiness. And one of the things that we talked about was the importance of resilience in your ability to actually be happy. That is important. But then people say to me, like, because happiness is like where we're all trying to get to, right? It's this a pinnacle, this goal. And so then we say, okay, well, then we need to be resilient. 
but we don't really necessarily know how to be resilient. And some days we have really crummy days and then we judge ourselves. Maybe you can relate. This is how I was. Uh, we judge ourselves for not being happy. And I truly believe that if you or your team is not acting in a very resilient way, in a culture way of being resiliency ninjas, that it's not your fault. And here's why. Number one, society sets us up for the wrong expectations. We are told, and how many times have you heard this? To bounce back. Don't worry, you'll bounce back. And the reality is you can't bounce back because the very nature of change, and there's no group that I could talk to who's gonna get this more. <laughs> so I love talking to all of you. Uh, is because the whole essence of change is that the back, the old way of doing things no longer exists. And yet we use these cliches like I'm gonna bounce back and then we ex we, we, we're trying to go back to the way things were and then we're setting ourselves up for failure because the way things were was doesn't exist anymore. And so for me, I was constantly trying to quote unquote bounce back to the time before I had chronic pain, to the time before the surgery. And so I spent years looking for some magic snake oil instead of trying to figure out how do I deal and cope and minimize my pain through today's reality and today's lens. And so I hope that if you're, you know, feeling like bouncing back is not where you're at, uh, but maybe some of these other cliches are going to work for you too, or you're going to feel. Uh, time heals all wounds. No, it doesn't. Not all of them. Uh, just breathe or get over it. How many times have you come home, had a really tough day at the office, and you know there's drama going on there's stuff going on and your spouse or your uh kids or you know just a friend says to you just get over it and you're like but i can't get over it and i i think we were taught from a very early age to just skim over our problems and our challenges so think about it you know when you were younger you would uh you know fall on the playground and skin your knee and your mommy would come over and kiss it better and uh, oh it's just a little boo boo and uh oh there i've kissed it better it's all gone it's all fine and you're like looking at your mom and you're going you know you're telling me it's fine but really it hurts <laughs> it still hurts but i guess i'm not allowed to say it hurts because you're telling me it's going away and we're going to go have ice cream and and it's fine so we're not taught early in society on how to actually build our, our um, capacity for resilience. No problems, only solutions. And you know what? Sometimes there are problems. And then the other one, which used to be my personal favorite, is you just got to power through. Power through. Keep going. Well, that's not always how it works. So let's do this. By the way, which of those cliches are you guilty of using or buying into? or telling somebody else to do. I have a friend of mine who always says, oh, you just gotta breathe. And I'm like, what parts of my still functioning makes you think that I'm not breathing? <laughs> All right. 
So let's dive in to what I like to call the resiliency ninja set point. Your set point, you have a natural way that you or your team will respond to challenges. And if we can identify how you fall on this scale, just intuitively, then we can figure out exactly what you need to move the dial and become more in control and more of that resiliency ninja where challenges do not influence your profits or your progress. So here are all the challenges that are coming in. And by the way, just to, to pause, we've got a lot of people on the call here. What I'm thinking is if you have questions, if you have comments or anything you want to say as we're going through this, please like put them up. I, I love interaction and wish I could see you uh, directly. But anyway, I, I hope you're getting a lot out of this and, and getting a lot of notes. So let, let's keep going. So here we are. We've got challenges. Everybody has challenges. And we've got this dial of potential ways that we might respond to those challenges. And the first way is what I call victim. Okay. Now, see if you can recognize somebody like this in your professional network. A victim says things like, when I win the lottery, I will do this. They will say things like, I can't believe this happened to me. They tend to complain more than they do. You know, right? you, you, know you would recognize someone who's a victim because they're probably still complaining about a change that was made to something that you believe is little and non-consequential in the world, but it happened two years ago and they still remember. Generally, victims are very past focused and they are very closely identified with their challenges. So the drama in their life becomes their persona. They're generally looking for an outside source to solve their problems. When the new boss comes in, when you know we get bought out by a new company, when that person over there in that cubicle leaves, I will become happy. All right, so can everybody sort of think of somebody in their realm who might fit that victim mentality? Something to consider. Okay. Next, we have what I call the numbers, the numbers, the people who numb out. And in full disclosure, I will share with you that this is my natural set point. If I weren't practicing the Resiliency Ninja formula, if I weren't actively every day challenging myself to not allow my challenges to influence my identity, I would be here. This would happen in my life. So for people who are numbers, the natural set point says, if I ignore it, it will go away. So uh, they'll, they'll say things like, oh, whatever, or it is what it is. No big deal. I'm fine. <laughs> Anybody recognizing this in themselves? Uh, eventually what happens is a bunch happens and then you wake up and you go, oh, shoot, 
what happened? I skipped part of my life. And the people who go numb, and I know this to be true because I've been there, it you you go through the motions of life without ever feeling the emotions of life. And it's so sad because it's it's like life just kind of passes you by. And so that's, but here's the beauty. So the victims are the hardest people to move up the dial. Numbers, they can wake up and go, oh, and then be invigorated to go and move, which is what happened with me. Okay, so something that just be at some point you you flip the threshold, you, you go over and you go, no, enough. And then you have to continually fight to go down. So they tend to like, for example, if the mail comes and it has like an overdue notice for something, they won't open it. <laughs> That's just be like, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to deal with it, hoping it goes away. And often avoids difficult conversations. So think about who do you know who would be considered a number like Alison Graham over here. Obviously, I have learned how to become a resiliency ninja, which is what I'm going to share with you. The next piece is what I call reactive. And this is where most of us as professionals live. And it's a very interesting place because quite frankly, you can have a pretty good life living in reactive mode, except eventually it'll get too much. It'll become too much. You'll be resentful. You will, uh, you know, get burned out, stressed out. Uh, a really great, uh, you know, uh, perspective on the reactive person is that they are most defined by their to-do list. Okay, so I'm so busy. So they would glorify being busy, wear it as a badge of honor, and instead of just dealing with what has to be on it. So they have, uh, they're constantly under stress. So a lot of professionals you would recognize here, they have a high threshold for coping, but there's no wiggle room. So the risk is that when something big happens, you get a diagnosis, a parent gets sick, a child gets ill, a, uh, you know, something happens, you lose a contract, you, uh, what else could I think of that could happen here? Um, maybe you get some pain like, uh, like I have. There's no wiggle room. So that's why you're so at capacity, you're, you're just one problem away from getting knocked off your access. So that, that's a challenge. So there are kind of two people in this camp. There are the people pleasers, the ones who say yes to everything and can't say no. <laughs> anybody? Anybody? Hands up. Uh, if uh, they, they can't say anything or they can't say no to anyone, but they'll resent doing it. They'll just do it with a smile on their face. But deep down, they're like, why did I say yes to this thing? And the, the biggest thing and the thing that makes me so sad about this category is that you're not going to love the process of life. Life is about doing, not about being when you live in this category. 
and our real true joy and our confidence comes from being and soaking up everything that happens around us, change, challenges, all of it's on the good side, and then moving forward. But when we're in this reactive mode, it doesn't work. So here over here on this side is Resiliency Ninja. You accept challenges. You know they're gonna happen and that's okay because you have a toolkit that is much like that ninja. Out of nowhere, you're gonna bring, you got the, the star, you know, you've got the sword, you've got the karate chop, the, you know, roundhouse kick, you got it all. And you're gonna swipe it out of the way and then you are quickly getting back on your path. And I, I think I said earlier, it's really important that being a resiliency ninja is not about not having problems. And it's not even about not having bad days. And it's not about not reacting in a really ticked off way. So I had a, a little situation that came and, uh, you know, it, it was in hindsight, very silly, but I interpreted it as like somebody was like assaulting me or like not respecting my my boundaries and stuff. So my initial reaction was like, hey, what's going on with this? And my reset reaction. So because I've trained myself so often to go, no, wait, what's really going on here? What's this challenge? Let's look at it in a very, uh, you know, objective way, I was able to quickly come back and go, okay, let's deal with this. Is this really what you intended? Is this what you meant? So that is a key. And of course, the Resiliency Ninja does not allow challenges to stall your progress or your profits. All right. So this is the resilience dial. Where do you fit? What do you need to do to get to the other side? By the way, questions, totally welcome. Until there are questions, I'm gonna keep talking until we, <laughs> we get to the time at the end. So if you have anything you wanna ask, please put it in, say hello, looking at this, I, I am here to serve. So here becomes the Resiliency Ninja formula. And I'm just gonna share this with you without all the concepts around it because we don't have time. So here's what we're gonna do. I have a podcast every week that once a week I interview someone. If anybody knows somebody who's gone through a lot and has still, you know, is very successful and has a uh, outer persona but wants to share the backside story of what's going on in the back and tools, uh, please let me know because I'm always looking for great guests. And then on Fridays, what I do is I share Facha Fridays. So Facha. And I share different insights that will help you as a concept on becoming more resilient with my definition of resilience, which is pretty much everything under that self-help umbrella. So uh, everything from who are you surrounding yourself with and networking and creating an army of allies and solid profitable relationships to how do you deal with the inner critic and turn that voice in your head down and make it one of your allies. Uh, so. If you are in front of your computer and you send me an email right now at allison at r-ninja.com, 
I will give you links so that you can get all of that information and listen in your own time really easily. Just push play uh, for free. And I think you'll love that. And then you can use those tools with your uh, with your clients and in your change management practice. So Allison, A-L-L-I-S-O-N at r-ninja.com. All right. When I was, let me just double check our timing. We're good. When the doctor had told me, go on disability, reevaluate your expectations for your life, I, I really had to do a reset. Okay. And obviously that was like a bit of a come to uh, Jesus moment for me to say, I got to figure this out. And when I started keynoting, my main my main business, by the way, is twofold. It's, it's keynoting at conferences, and I absolutely love that, and then coaching people as well. But when I started my very first keynote on resilience, I went back and I did what they call a stress test online. And you have, I'm sure, heard of these things where here are all these things that could be going wrong in your life, and here's a numerical value applied to that for you. So I I did that thinking back to the worst time in the decade of hell. And my score was 734. Now you're wondering, okay, what does that mean? Well, the legend said, if you have a score, anything over 330, seek professional help immediately. So it was not a good time. But here's the challenge with that. What I don't like about it is that we are so quick to put all of our challenges into the bucket of stress. Everything's so stressful. And I actually don't believe that's accurate. I think that when we look at everything as stress and we bucket it that way, then we are doing ourselves a disservice and we're not allowing for an assessment of what tool do I need in this moment with this challenge. And so that's why I have created this continuum of challenges. And I want you to look at your original list and figure out what is each of these things. So we have stress, we have obstacles, and we have adversity. So here's the key. So stress, let's look at these uh, these synonyms here. Pressure, tension, worry, anxiety, hassle, demand, strain. So when we think about that resilience set point, that, that reactive piece is all about stress. Worry, tension, strain, like life is supposed to flow. It's supposed to be easy. We're, we're allowed to you know have fun doing this thing called life. And we're so caught up in this stress but here's the thing you may not like about this answer. I believe, and my clients have confirmed it when they realize this as well, that stress is self-induced. It is an internal expectation to do too much with too little time, with too few resources. You're not saying no, you're not setting boundaries, and you're expecting too much of yourself. One of the most, uh, one of the reasons my clients end up approaching me is often because they feel very overwhelmed. They've got a big vision. They know they want to uh, achieve X and they're so bogged down in daily busy that they're completely overwhelmed and stressed out. And 
the thing is, one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed is that everybody has this very long to-do list. And if we were standing in an audience right now, I would ask all of you, I would say, who is busy? And I guarantee you every person in that room is gonna put up their hands. Not a defining factor, by the way. <laughs> we're all busy. But it's our approach to busy that influences our ability to be resilient the most. And I believe it's an expectation that that to-do list is one day going to end. And what people need to realize is that the, the list never ends. <laughs> it never stops. When we clear something off, something else goes on it. And so when we go, that's okay, that's just the way it is, we can adjust our expectations and stop feeling so overwhelmed with our to-dos that have to happen, okay? Well, something to think of. Obstacles, barrier, hurdle, block, snag, deterrent, disadvantage, hindrance, complication. Those are things that can be internal or external, but when we look at them, we can deal with them very objectively and we can decide that we're gonna get over them, we're gonna get through them, we're gonna blow them up, we're gonna get them out of our way, but we're not gonna sit and like hug them and go like, oh my goodness, look at this obstacle. I'm gonna you know, become your best friend and I'm gonna ruminate with you for the next three years of my life. Oh. <laughs> hoping that I, uh, you know, this becomes my identity, which is what a lot of people do. So this whole removing emotions and, and the obstacles is like, oh my God, these can become your playground. When we stop expecting them to disappear, when we look at them from a, an objective perspective, we assess the situation, we adapt to what the reality is that we have in front of us, and then we take appropriate action. We are in control. We are living on this side of the set point of the dial, or this side, whichever way you're facing me with the reverse in the mirror, in the camera. That is awesome. It's so powerful when you recognize the difference. I get so excited about this. I wish I could see your faces. Hope you're laughing. I, and people outside my window are probably going, she's laughing at herself again. That's what she does. <laughs> anyway, all right. Now let's get serious. Adversity is very different. We, like, look at these words. Misfortune, hardship, disaster, suffering, misery, trauma, crisis, catastrophe, burden. These are an external force that will forever change your reality. You can't experience it, but it, it it's like this is when somebody's passed away. This is when you uh, you know maybe the company goes under or you lose a major contract or you lose your job. Like they're just all these big things, and it when you don't have the capacity and the tools to be resilient and then something external comes in and we have absolutely no control over it, that's when I want you, I'm so, actually I'm gonna show you that in a second, but this is so critical. Now, I'll just very quickly imagine it and I'll, I'll share this with you as if we were walking on a path. So we're walking along, stress would be the equivalent of deciding to go for a run and going, oh my God, look at me, I'm going for a run. Oh my goodness, is that the ground? Oh, look at the rock. Oh my God, there's a rock. Like, like just, I'm going for a run. Everybody, I'm going for a run. Oh my God, I got to tell people I'm going for a run. What time am I going to be back? Like, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, it's all the noise around the fact that you're going for a walk. 
and all of it can be quieted, quieted, quiet, quiet, quieted, whatever it is. And the thing here is that because there are other people who are just walking. They're like going through the exact same path and they just walk. And then there's stress out people who are going, oh, my God, I'm going for a walk. See the difference? Obstacles. We're on this path. You're going for a walk. And all of a sudden there's a tree in front of you. Or a rock. Or something that is in the way of the path. Now you don't look at it and go, oh my gosh, there is a log. I need to turn around and go home. Now, you look at it and you go, there's a log. Am I going to jump over it? Am I going to walk around it? Am I going to pick it up and move it out of the way? Am I going to you know, grab the dynamite out of my backpack or something and blow it up and, and make it no longer existent? Am I going to pretend it's not there and just not even give it any thinking? We don't hug the log. We don't sit on the log. We don't hang out there. And this is how I want people to look at obstacles is it's like they're just things on the path. But here's the key. The path still exists. So you're walking along. That obstacle does not need to change the fact that you're going for a walk. You can still go for a walk. It's just now you got to get over this little stick. Adversity. Very different. Going for a walk. There's an earthquake. And in front of you is a sinkhole. The path no longer exists. And that's when we need to stop, heal any cuts and bruises that may have happened in the earthquake and from the, the ground falling out from in front of us. And we need to figure out where can I go now? Because where I was heading is no longer available. You know, when my dad died and the, the other people in my life died as well, I had to, but specifically with my dad, I, I constantly, like the initial grief reaction, of course, is you want your dad back. And what I realized is that when an adversity like that happens, you have to redefine your life on a new path without dad. And that can be very difficult, but that's what adversity is. So now here, here's how this plays out. Stress, obstacles, adversity. In society, we exaggerate stress and we minimize adversity. So you go and you say to somebody, like, how is it going? Uh, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm so busy. I'm so busy, right? It's like it's a badge of honor. And actually, when you email me at allison at r-ninja.com, I will send you an article that says uh, how saying busy is hurting your personal brand and your client and employee relationships. So if you email me that, I will pop you back that as well as that uh, happiness um, podcast. Okay. So stress obstacles, adversity. But now let's say you're coming back from losing a parent or going through a divorce and people say to you, how are you? And your reaction is going to be, I'm fine. And that is the problem. So here we go. So we've got coping capacity. We have a finite amount. Now, some people are 
that, that they're very high threshold. They are easily able to uh, adapt. And, and there's like a natural thing. It's like a neuropeptide Y that basically says, oh, you know what? That's gone. I'm going to go over here. Very good adapters. They have a higher capacity for challenges. But it doesn't matter because every person's challenges, you only have so much coping capacity. So what we do when we focus all our energy on stress, if you're looking at this screen, is we use up all that finite resource of coping capacity as getting caught up in our stress, getting caught up in the drama, in the internal messenger of bullshit, the, uh, you know, that creates stories and creates a worry path and, and uh, you know, goes over and over and over things that happened, uh, wishing for the way things used to be, all of that takes up our capacity. And then when obstacles happen or adversity happens, we have very little to deal with. And what I want people to do and what I'm encouraging you to do is to flip this on its axis. There's positive stress, good stress, healthy stress, deadlines, challenges, all of that is like great. We wanna keep that because that drives us and motivates us and it, it, it can be very, very healthy. What we want to do is put the majority of our effort and our coping capacity into obstacles in a way that is non-emotional, okay? And then that way, when it's required, we have the capacity for adversity. So do you see how you could have a much happier life and have a, a much stronger ability to move forward, create progress and profits if you were out of that stress bucket and more into the um, into the obstacles and adversity and put your efforts there. So with stress, asking yourself, what aspects of my perspective, attitude, or expectations need to change? Are you not saying yes or no? Um, all of that is within your control. I truly believe that because I've seen people being freaked out by everything that's on their place, putting in some of these resiliency ninja strategies that I share in my book and with, you know, workshops and exercises that embedded into a culture and, uh, you know, on my podcast that I'm going to share with you, that is doable. Like if I can leave you with anything, it's like, you don't have to be stressed out. Obstacles. What do I need to do to get around this, move over it, move it out of the way, keep going? Adversity. How do I best serve my healing? People will say to me, I don't even know what I need to do to feel re-energized, to reset. They don't know because they're so caught up in just going through the motions and reacting to everything that's happening in their life that they haven't even taken the time to figure out that if I go and do this, I'm going to feel refreshed. And, you know, everything that contributes to that is, uh, you know, something that is a bigger journey that with an hour together, we don't have time to cover. So uh, I feel like I've, uh, you know, given you these three concepts. So the, uh, the set point, uh, you know, your resiliency ninja set point. So remember at the very beginning, 
what we did was we ha I asked you to write down your challenges. I want you to look at your list and say when we're done here, and you can email me and let me know what uh, what was your primary one, and say are these challenges stress, obstacles, adversity? That's the first thing. Then go through and look at those questions and say, okay, what do I need to do? The power when we get everything into obstacles is that we can create workarounds, figuring out what are we gonna do with them? And sometimes you need a coach or a colleague or a friend to get out of that space and, and get some creative ideas and juices flowing on how you're gonna deal with those obstacles. And then, uh, because because here's the thing, stress undealt with will cause additional obstacles, okay? Obstacles, too many of them will eventually cause adversity and that's where we burn out. Adversity creates new obstacles in your life because you've got, you know, maybe somebody's no longer in your life, maybe you have pain, maybe whatever the case may be, or you gotta find a new job. So adversity creates obstacles that when we don't deal with them objectively, adapt and act, then we uh, end up creating stress. So I just keep that, that, um, Continuum, it's a flowing, ever flowing back and forth thing. And Mary, if there are questions, you let me know. We don't have any questions. I guess people are just listening. because I know. Well, let me let me say this, Allison. So you are getting a lot of kudos here. More, I would just say compliments than questions. Allie, oh my you're God, great. I love it. This is awesome. Oh. You know, so I just want you to know the, these are powerful, life-changing. Uh, just want you to know these are the kind of comments you're getting. It's actually, you're, you're doing such a great job in articulation. I'm not seeing a lot of questions. It's all about you're making a difference, Allison. And, and it is impactful uh, in the comments that I'm reading here. Um, agree, awesome. Can we hear this again? Yes, this is a recorded session. You will, amen. How can we support someone who's going through an adverse situation? Came, just came in from Doug. So probably, yeah, so we will, um, hit that. Um, we are just about at the top of the hour, Allison. Um, and so, Doug, I would encourage him probably to just send an email text over to Allison at r-ninja.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.